Welcome to the Cherry Becker Tax Beat, a conversation about tax that matters. Welcome to this edition of the Cherry Becker Tax Beat Podcast. Today's topic is what Cherry Becker is observing with eligible employer claims uh, in the realm of the Employer Rent Retention Credit, ERC. Uh, we've done lots of podcasts on this topic. It's a very exciting uh, value-added solution for our clients. Uh, today's topics will include like why so many claims are being made retrospectively on amended returns, uh, why now we see most taxpayers falling under the position that their businesses were partially shut down due to government orders. Um, we'll look at some industry examples of partial shutdowns and how and how to analyze supply chain disruptions. Joining us today, our distinguished ERC expert, Mr. Marty Caramont. How are you doing today, Marty? I'm doing well today, Brooks. It's uh, It's good to be here again. And where are you sitting today in the world of Marty? In the world of Marty today, I'm sitting in Brooklyn, New York. So um, a little different little different space than where I normally am in D.C. All right. And as always, joining me, my colleague, Sarah McGregor from Greenville, South Carolina. So, Sarah, how's life treating you? Life is all good, Brooks. I can uh, smell pumpkin spice in the air. I think we're going to come and have fall eventually. So that would be nice. Well, it would be nice. I'm actually heading up to Maine for a few days to work up there to get away from the heat. I thought we had fall about two weeks ago, I thought we had found fall, but then it then it escaped. Yes, Sadly. it was gone again. Yeah. Uh, hey, but no hurricanes, uh, no named storms so far this month in August uh, off the Atlantic seaboard, which is kind of nice. Yeah, that's the first I've thought about that. So thank you for the sharing, sir. <laughs> You're right. welcome. Again, we've done a lot of podcasts on ERC, so I'm not going to do a, a ton of background introduction. Uh, we'll just turn it over to Marty. And Marty, why don't you just start with your best summary of the ERC at this point in time? Absolutely, Brooks. Thanks. So for all our listeners, uh, the employer retention credit, for those who know or don't know, was originally a CARES Act provision. That's a payroll tax refund. Um, and it specifically applies to taxpayers who are employers, um, have employees, uh, to the extent they were harmed by COVID in one of two ways. One way is to the extent they suffered some significant decline in their gross receipts in any quarter of 2020 compared to the exact same numbered quarters in 2019. And then the beyond the CARES Act, the uh, employee retention credit was extended ultimately into the first three quarters of 2021. And there, there's a revenue test allowing taxpayers to qualify if they are just 20% down from where they were in quarters one, two, and three of 21 compared to quarters one, two, three, respectively, of 2019. Additionally, taxpayers can qualify to the extent COVID-19 orders issued by any appropriate government governmental authority, whether that be foreign or domestic, um, any of those orders were having a direct impact on uh, the business itself or perhaps some supplier within the supply chain of the business. And we'll talk a little bit about some of those supply chain disruptions because they're coming up quite a bit as a method by which a lot of employers are um, documenting their status as an eligible employer. Last point, um, the credit is equal to a maximum of $5,000 per employee in 2020 and a maximum of $7,000 in each of the first three quarters of 2021. So that's a maximum of $21,000 uh, in 21. So Marty, here, we're now late into the third quarter of 2022. 
these were 2020 and 2021 employment re- related credits. Uh, why are we still talking about it now? What what's driving the 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 activity? Why why are so many uh, taxpayers not already enjoying their refunds and their money? Yeah, absolutely, good question. Um, I think two reasons. One is awareness of the program. Uh, I think a lot of companies were very busy doing their PPP refunds at the time, getting their businesses up and running. And the second reason is because many of the companies were easily able to quantify back in 2020 and 2021, whether they had these massive declines in gross receipts, a lot of those companies claimed it more in real time. Some did it retrospectively as well, but it's only really, I think, with the benefit of hindsight at times that a company can truly understand how it was directly impacted by government orders. They have to take a look and make sure that they were more than nominally impacted. And that requires some analysis back to 2019 compared to the exact quarter um, when a government order was in place and then later understand how that impacted them. Additionally, only as well with the benefit of being through so many of these analyses to understand which suppliers were disrupted for which industries over time. And so I think a lot of practitioners have become aware of that as well. And so there's marketplace awareness around that position, but it just took a long time to really understand and document and take a look at every disruption that might have been out there that could affect them. So it might have been easy to say uh, a restaurant was not allowed to seat their customers inside. It's another to say a manufacturer or a, a wholesale distributor that can't get their product because it's still sitting in a a boat offshore. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Certain by industry, you'll definitely know. Restaurants are a clear example, and many of those claims in real time, but a lot didn't still. So it is it is a bit of awareness too. Okay. So Marty, let's follow back up on the supply chain issue. So you can't pick up a paper about hearing companies experiencing disruptions with their suppliers. Let's delve a little deeper into, into how this affects employee retention credits. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a misnomer about this, that if someone just has a supply chain disruption, they automatically qualify. They don't. It requires more analysis than that. To begin with, this uh, position was first espoused in the FAQs that came out in 2020 specific to the uh, employee retention credit. It was designed for essential businesses that technically weren't affected by government mandates to still qualify to uh, and, and identify their suppliers that could then get them qualified almost by a transitive property. The supplier is affected, and so therefore I, as an essential business, still can't get my job done because government mandates are directly affecting me. It was then restated in the notice that came out, specifically notice 2021-20, specific to the employer retention credit. And it's not particularly detailed in terms of what is required to document this, but at a bare minimum, we believe you would have to identify the name of the supplier, the location of the supplier, Um, Also, the specific government orders imposing a disruption or partial shutdown on the supplier, the duration of the supply chain disruption, and then evidence that you couldn't get another supplier to fill that need. The the science to it is using all the research that we have done with respect to different suppliers, different locations, going up the supply chain and understanding different disruptions that happen. So with that in mind, it's important to understand what a supply chain really is. There's you know, a sourcing point. For example, a manufacturer produces goods, then they store it somewhere. So, um, and that could be subject to another government order. It then gets transferred. It then gets shipped um, either by land or by sea. Um, and then it has a destination point. Along that route, there are ships um, and airplanes and airports that all have different 
or had different mandates, especially in the international context. So for example, you know, we heard quite a bit about supply chain disruptions and ports being backed up at a time a lot back in 2021. It's a great beginning fact pattern, but it's important to know that with respect to like Los Angeles port congestion, there were very specific mandates uh, related to the wait times that needed to be put into place in order to do testing on certain uh, individuals that worked on the ships. Uh, beyond that, if you look into Mexico, that's a place where um, certain states within the Mexican uh, within the Mexican geography were designated as red, blue, green, blue, or yellow, depending on what the status of COVID was, and depending on what was going on um, at that time and its designation. It, it was subject to different um, mandates with respect to testing of individuals and whether the, the manufacturing companies could even work. So a lot of supply from Mexico was also disrupted for a certain period of time. Yeah, Marty, for example, in with if I had a, a production coming from Mexico and it was red for a month and then yellow for two months and then back to green and then, you know, it flopped in and out of those coding and may or may not have been restricted. So I have an employer in the U.S. My my goods are slow coming to us, so my employees can't work as hard or I can't sell as much goods or I can't produce. Um, does it matter that uh, the whole time or is it just a period of time that those are in place? Or if, is it, is it uh, if it, during any time during the quarter I'm affected by a, a mandate or is it a number of days or how does that work? I would say the reading that makes the most sense when you look at the employer retention credit is you would, as a U.S. company um, that has an international supply chain, be eligible for as long as that mandate was in place, even though it affects you longer than that. Okay. Um, so, for example, if that particular state were red at a, for a period of time in Mexico, you would get it for that period of time. And then if it came off that designation and the place opened up, even though you're still experiencing supply chain disruption due to the backlog, you're technically not qualified. Okay, but right. So it's important to know when uh, when all of those mandates were in place all over the world. Very much so. And that's what we've spent a lot of time doing over the last year is identifying that. And that's why for us, it's actually become easier and easier to talk to clients about what industry they're in, what the supply chain is, and what the specific effects might have been. Our process really is to get the story from the client and understand how their business was disrupted, who their suppliers were, and what they were supplying, and then do a search and then understand exactly what the mandates were and where, and uh, then confirm that with the client if that makes sense. That's what hindsight has given us. This is all very exciting hearing about you know, all this increased knowledge and research. So let's kind of hone in at the industry level. Uh, you know, what is the profile of companies? What are the profile of the industries where we are literally seeing these claims you know, that you've been able to make? on these supply chain disruptions? Absolutely. So from the supply chain perspective, I would say any company that's involved in manufacturing, without a doubt, sources of, of goods are coming from, from outside the U.S. In the context of auto dealerships, we found not only supply chain disruptions, but they had showroom closures where uh, the showroom was closed down for a period of time, say, for example, in 2020. And then later in 21, they had difficulty getting both cars and, and also parts. Um, from certain areas outside the U.S. Beyond supply chain disruptions, though, we are still working with a number of companies that have, are being able to, are now able to identify direct orders on them, specifically schools, 
We're working with a number of schools that um, were precluded from holding classes, had to go virtual, had to cancel sporting events, couldn't hold fundraisers. Elder care facilities, for example, is another area where uh, during pe certain periods of time, there were quarantine restrictions inside, limitations on outside nurses um, and doctors coming into the facility. Um, we've seen it with medical practices as well, where there were limitations on the number of people that could be inside of a waiting room lobby. Also, certain procedures that were precluded from uh, from being um, from being done. Also, religious organizations. Um, we've seen restrictions on services and also events, take, like for example, weddings and things like that um, within churches. And so, it's supply chain. It's also direct. And so, we've seen quite a bit. Marty, one of the big questions that's come up from those who have applied for credits and refunds of those credits is where's my money? Hmm. Uh, any thoughts on how that's going? And and secondly, what what is the IRS looking at when they are reviewing claims? Great question. <clears throat> Your money's probably on the way to begin with if, if you filed. Um, average wait times that we've seen due to the backlog are about nine months for a, a refund claim to be provided. And these are all coming in the form of checks. I have seen the newer claims being dealt with faster than the older claims. So we have had some that have been refunded within four months. Um, and so that that's actually encouraging, at least on a sort of last in first out method, um, the IRS is getting to some of the things that we're putting in um, for on behalf of our clients now. Um, the IRS has developed a standard information document request that asks all the questions that we attempt to answer in the liberal who, why are you qualified? Was it the grocery receipts or was it, you know, the um, the government orders? What meaning? Why are you an eligible employer? Also, are you double dipping with any other credits? If you take an employee retention credit, you can't put that dollar into, say, for example, uh, a research credit. How does it interplay with what you may have claimed for COVID sick leave pay as well? How does it interact with PPP and making sure that you didn't use PPP funded wages to go into your employer retention credit claim. These are all the things that will be documented, have to be documented for the IRS to sign off on this. Have I seen a lot of exams? I have not yet, but I do know they, they're taking place because I have seen the standard information document request. And I would expect about a year from now to see a number of large exams because there are some aggressive claims that we haven't done, but I've seen go in that I think are um, the IRS, they're gonna raise the eyebrows of the IRS when they take a look at them, specifically for very large organizations um, claiming very large credits well into 2021. All right. Well, I think it's time to uh, get to our final comments and wrap up. Uh, any last words of wisdom, Marty, that you would like to share? I would say this. If you haven't claimed the employee retention credit or if you dismissed it early on, um, talk with your tax provider Talk with Cherry Becker. We're more than happy to have the conversation with you just to go through what your fact pattern is, how many employees you have, and what happened to you during COVID. And we we have the benefit of understanding what happened to a number of employers uh, throughout the country. Um, it's always worth the conversation because the benefits are as high as $26,000 per employee. So it, it's well worth your time to take a look at it. Um, this is uh, just a tax position that you're going to file with the IRS. It's not made public. It is just something you put on an amended form 941X and make a claim. And really all you're asking for is both the money back that you paid in uh, employer payroll taxes, in addition to a refundable portion that's calculated uh, based on 
the fact that you kept people employed while you were limited. And so the real intent is to reward companies for keeping people employed during a time of hardship. Sarah, any final comments from you? Uh, I just echo what Marty said, that I believe this is a way that the government found to reward companies to keep people employed during the pandemic, uh, keeping people employed, keeping those regular paychecks flowing into their families, help to keep the company country going and stabilize um, uh, our economy and uh, people's lives. So to the extent that companies did that, absolutely, they should be able to take advantage of this credit. And I'm pretty excited about the uh, new information about looking all the way up the supply chain for those government orders that caused issues for companies, even if it didn't show up on their uh, as, as much damage on their on their top line as maybe some other companies saw. Great points. And I agree with both of y'all. And I'm still you know, continue to be amazed at how much more we learn about what's on the surface seemed like a relatively simple credit and it just continues to evolve and evolve in its complexity. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, go to a uh, professional advisor if you're delving, certainly if you're, you know, exploring the credit in terms of partial shutdowns, so I would say for sure. We also have an article on this as well. It's on cbh.com. That's a, a parallel piece along with this podcast for you to take a look in more detail around how to analyze supply chain disruptions. All right. And on that note, I'll take us to a closing. Thank you for listening in on our discussion about what we are, we are observing uh, with ERC claims and partial shutdowns right now. A quick disclaimer that we're not providing tax advice on this podcast. Please consult with your tax advisor, hopefully at Cherry Becker, hopefully with Marty Caramon on ERC with your specific tax issues or to discuss information from today's podcast. Check out the firm's website at cbh.com for the latest guidance materials on this, including Marty's aforementioned article and other tax and business topics. Thank you, Sarah and Marty. Thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. We truly appreciate it. This concludes today's podcast. Please like, subscribe, share. Let's call it a day and go forth in peace. Bye.